episodes of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I give a shit. You know what? I got to tell you something. I love summer. Do you? I feel like every day during the summer is a holiday, and uh, it's just really hard for me to be in a bad mood during the summer, which probably means that I have one of those diseases where you need fake lights. I've tried those lights. They don't work for me. Anyway, thanks for listening. It's Dr. Lisa from Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is absolutely the best radio station in the Western Hemisphere. I've listened to all the stations. This is the best. Uh, What you should do is actually go and download our app. Uh, Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone if you have an iPhone or slash Android if you have an Android because you know what? You can carry it around wherever you are. And we have so many great hosts and great music. Like, if you think your life is dull, you just get the app and it immediately turns into like this full color rain. People are going to have FOMO if you have the app. That's what I'm telling you. Okay. So today is, today is a, um, a, uh, I'm very excited about my guest, Portia Munson. Um, we spoke a little bit on the phone before she got here. I'm looking at her right now. Hi, Portia. Hi. And uh, I already told her that I was afraid that I was going to, well, I don't know if I did that Yiddish well, but uh, so I did it over the phone so I didn't have to embarrass myself here or make a big deal about it. But anyway, um, I first became, she's an amazing artist. I mean, really, really incredible. And I first became aware of her work. In 1994, at the Bad Girls Show in uh, at the New Museum in the, I'm going to say this because I love um, Marsha Tucker, the heyday of the new. That was like such a great era, right? Yeah, Marcia, it was that's amazing, fair, right? Yeah, it was a great time uh, when Marsha Tucker were, Tucker was there, and the museum had just kind of gotten started. Yeah, a bit, right? she she started the museum, and she was just yeah, like in 1980s. Or something. Anyway, it was a great time and it was a great show. And Portia had this amazing exhibition uh, piece in a group show called Bad Girls, which is still like kind of one of their, I think it's a class, it's probably an art history books. It's an art history books for sure, right? For sure. And a very important show. And uh, Portia's piece like has always stuck with me. Like I remembered her name from 1994. So it was this <coughs> elaborate, how big was it, Portia? Um, well, the table, the pink project table was approximately eight, eight feet by 14 feet. So it was a really oversized dining room table. Okay. Why don't, can, why don't you describe it? Because you'll do a better job than me. Yeah. So it's um, a large table that's with a pink skirt, like a party skirt on the table and um, a pink tablecloth, a vinyl pink, shiny powder pink tablecloth. And I, for years, had been collecting pink plastic objects uh, up until then and continued after that. And so the table is completely covered with organized pink plastic objects. Like there's a comb section, a toothbrush section, hair clips. And I just arranged everything on the tabletop by category. And it kind of looks like a cityscape, but all out of pink plastic utilitarian objects. Okay, so I'm going to tell you my experience that I still remember of seeing that project for the first time, which is, um, and this is 1994. 
So uh, I walked in. I'd never seen anything like this. And it really, for me, took over that whole show. And um, what Portia is describing it, it, like there were combs, so many combs. But the combs ran from like a half inch in size doll combs to regular adult size combs, all in pink. And then there'd be an area of... um, I don't know, probably women, anything, women's razors or what else do you remember that you had a lot of? There are lots of toys like um, children's toys and dog toys. And then there's also things like guns and sex toys. And I just collected anything that I found in pink plastic and just arranged them yeah, all. Useful Here. items and toy items. Right? Yeah. Functional and, items, you know, that, that we use, women use. and But kind of throwaway sorts of things, like things that are not considered, you know, valuable. valuable. Right. Yeah. So when I saw that, I just realized, like, how dumb being a girl is. <laughs> That's all I can say. I mean, I kind of knew that, but I was like, wow, this is a really powerful statement on how society views women. And it really like there were so many things about it that stuck with me, um, that message, but also just the obsessiveness of the artist was like overwhelming and uh, just the just it w- it had so many levels to me like society what society makes what we make for girls what we make in they just there's so it was you can see it moved me i mean i'm just gonna say that right uh anyway so portia is after this is like i never thought i would actually be sitting in the room with portia this is 1994 but i was fortunate enough to be able to see her run into her and ask her and I was amazed because you said she said yes right away to being on the show so I had that really good fortune but um and the show that I ran into is still up and you can go see it and it's just a really really fabulous show that's up right now and honestly you know I always like try to talk about that art is you know the art to me having art accessible to you guys you people that don't even give a shit about art maybe or you know, or music people, or maybe even art people. Uh, this stuff's really just accessible and fun and interesting and impactful. All of the work. Portia's piece is a star in this show, but you should all go see it. So it's at the Flag Store Art, Flag Art Foundation, which is on 545 West 25th Street. It's up through August 17th. The name of the show is Dime Store Alchemy, and it's curated by Jonathan Ryder and has so many great, very famous artists in it as well, like Sophie Call. We like her. Lots of people. Also, upstairs is another one of my famous artists, somebody who's actually been on the show before, Jennifer Gagnard. Did you get to meet her? Genevieve, yeah. Genevieve, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's great. lovely, right? Yeah. Did you know her work before? Um, a little bit. I I wasn't super familiar with it, but I'm so glad to know her and know her work better. Her work, yeah. she's a really good artist. Yeah, yeah, really a young artist, very young. young. Yeah, mm-hmm. fabulous. So she's been on the show. I could, you could listen to my talk with her. But anyway, so you should go see that show. And um, the show. Let's just describe the piece that you have up in that show that people can see now. It's called the Pink. 
what is uh, is pink pink project bedroom and so i um started working on that and sort of showed an early version of it the same year as the bad girl show um and so it's basically a bedroom that's made out of everything again all this found pink stuff so the walls are all prom dresses and women's lingerie that that creates the wallpaper for the walls and the ceiling is made from um you know probably over a hundred baby and adult onesies pink onesies all sewn together and i've left the arms hanging down so they're strung up with ribbons pink ribbons to the ceiling and hanging and covering the ceiling making a a onesie canopy over the room and then there's a bed and a whole pink bedroom set and the room is then just filled layered on top of um on top of that with all this found pink stuff right so all that is portia is describing the experience of that for me is very much like what i was describing earlier about her pink project except it's much like almost fuller because it's an, an entire immersive environment and um i can just tell you at the opening it was like people were you know it felt like people were waiting in line sort of right right <laughs> yeah. were they waiting in line to see it yeah <laughs> so anyway i can't say i mean there, this is like probably and i really honestly probably the best show easily i've seen all year i mean i'm not you know i'm not a writer i'm not a a, a professional art critic but i just want to say that you guys would all like this you know what else I'm thinking, Portia, right now? I have to give out a shout. I have a show up, and I have to give a shout out to my gallery. Yeah. Because um, I just got an Instagram notice that the that my gallerist, Jonathan Weisberg, am I saying that? Or Weissman? I'm, like, nervous. I'm on the radio. But <laughs> so um, I'm getting his name wrong. So anyway, um, I have to give this a shout out because it's only fair, right? Yeah, and of he, course. And he's a great guy and he worked really hard and the show's great. It's at VSOP Gallery in Greenport, Long Island. And uh, if you want to go to Greenport or if you're anywhere near there, you guys should go see it because uh, it's a really great gallery and uh, I'm really I'm proud of the work. I'm Good. proud of the work. Good. <laughs> okay, there. Hi, Jonathan. That's all I'm saying. So um, there were a bunch of things like uh, that. There's like I feel like there's so many things that I want to talk to you about, Portia, as you as you know, because we spoke a little bit earlier. But some of the things that um, I find really interesting is and we're I'm 62 and we're sort of in the same age range, right? Yeah, 57. Oh, you're 57. Yeah, mm -hmm. but um, we we we've been around the block, and um, so the thing is, is that uh, I'm meeting Portia for the first time now, but I feel like I've known her in a certain way since 1994, since I have followed her career, and she is somebody who's really been at the forefront of feminism in art, as far as I'm concerned, and I am personally curious about. Portia, your views on feminism and how it's evolved over time because, and I've said this on the show here before, is that I'm actually kind of disappointed about feminism because I thought, like when I was in high school, things started changing and I feel like they progressed for a while, but now I feel like with all these fake boobs and all this makeup and all this stuff, 
uh, we've gone backwards. I want to know what you think. And I also want to tell you guys another thing that Portia has been married for how many years? Like 27 years. 27 years. And she has two children, a son who's... 24. And a daughter who's 19. 19. So she's... But you know what? Before we get into that, I'm going to interrupt myself and just get a little bit about your background and where you grew up so we can know what where you're coming from. Sure. Um, I grew up on Long Island in Seacliff, which is on the North Shore in the township of Oyster Bay. And um, and then I went to Cooper Union for um, art school. I moved into New York City in 1979 to start art school. I uh, moved into East 6th Street and um, lived on the Lower East Side for years. And still, when I'm in the city, stay with a friend in that same neighborhood um, in what used to be an apartment of mine. And, um, and then I went to graduate school at Rutgers, uh, also spent a summer at Skowhegan. And after um, my son was born when I was around 33, well, when I was like 35, actually, by the time I was 35, um, I, we, we basically moved full time up to the Catskills. And I've lived up in Catskill, uh, New York ever since then. And the place that I live in the Catskills was my great-grandparents' house. So it's a place that I visited my whole life. And they had uh, purchased it during the Depression in 1931 as a way to, for like $1,000 or something, um, the family pulled together and was able to buy it as a way to escape um, Brooklyn and grow their own food and, you know, live during the Depression up there. Wow, that is so awesome. Yeah. So um, were, did did you... I mean, you went to Cooper Union and Cooper Union, I mean, in order to get into Cooper Union, you, I mean, if you, for those who don't know, that's like the, probably the most, in my mind, prestigious art school in America. It's, it was, is this free again? It was scholarship only. Yeah, it's not free right now, but they're working to get it free again. I think it's like half tuition. Um, Yeah, I think there was like a big, some sort of big scam that went on and, you know, the school got ripped off and uh so they've been having to charge tuition but hopefully um that's going to change pretty soon yeah we got to get back we got to get that back but anyway certainly when you went there portia it was like the most prestigious at least in my mind art school in america uh and probably still is because one of the things is the people that teach there the artists and and it's actually uh, known for engineering and architecture uh and art and it's just got the best literally the best teachers and also it's all scholarships so in order to get there you must you must have known some shit like (laughs) were you like how did you what what was the role of art in your life growing up well I I have sort of almost like a a kind of a corny story about it but um I was just telling my kids recently how well I I'm quite dyslexic and I always struggled with reading and um when I was in first grade, there was an amazing art teacher, and I had been put in the reading group with the kids who were immigrants who couldn't even speak English, kids from Russia and Mexico and different parts of the world. And um, and so I was a terrible reader because I 
special alien. So I was in that reading group. Because you couldn't see the words. I, I don't know. So um, anyway, I loved art. And I remember thinking to myself at that young age, this is who I am. I'm an artist. I'm going to be an artist. And it was always clear to me. That's what I always did. And were so, there any other creative people in your family? Like, were there I any think, other art people? Yeah, but my family was fairly conservative. But I think I just had a very supportive mother who, you know, maybe had um, unfortunately sort of found religion and that steered her away from being an artist. Like she had mm-hmm. actually had received a scholarship to RISD, but instead went to oh. a went to a religious college. Oh, bad so, move. <laughs> bad move. Did you think that? Did you do you think there's anything in that? Like I'm going to resolve this shit. Probably, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I think so too. Were you kind of secretly disappointed in my mother? Yeah, for, for not. I think I've yeah. There are different things that I've always felt sort of, you know, sort of bad about for her. You know that mm-hmm. she. But in on the other hand, she kind of embraced her life and was an amazing mother and also a teacher so great a lot i mean that can be really you know she got a lot out of that i'm sure i'm sure so did you have brothers or sisters yes i have two brothers one is um a helicopter pilot in the military wow (laughs) wow and um, my other brother is um Lives in New Hampshire and works for a home and garden center. Oh, so he's say. also nature oriented. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So you seem like you are innately obsessive. Is that true also? Like there must be something in you. Yeah, I would say that I am. I am obsessive. I, I think maybe the way to describe it is um, I'm visually obsessive. Like I really like thing. I'm very sensitive to like how the lights are, where the, how a room is arranged, like what, like all of those kind of things were always really important. Do, do you make, was, do you line up, like my, oh, I, I shouldn't say this, but my husband does this, like he, 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 he's also an artist, um, but he lines things up, like if we go out for drinks and he has like a glass and it's not perfectly on the napkin, he'll like rearrange it so it is. Do you do that? Um, Maybe you'd be good with my husband. I'm kind of tired of him. He'd probably love you. Um, that's not exactly what I do, but I my do house you relate to that. I do relate to that. My house is quite full, especially my kitchen. I have a little pantry. I don't have cabinets. I just have like everything. So you can see everything, and so everything has its place for sure. Very I mean, organized. It is very organized. Yeah. Oh God. So would you move in? <laughs> Please, just move in with me. I need that. So or. I'd like, yeah, um, I want some advice on how to handle my husband. I want him to throw things, but I'll ask you later. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, there was something I forgot to mention that I wanted to uh, let you, l- let my listeners, uh, hi guys, you got to know about this. So anyway, because this is a radio show, we are not going to have the time to really go through the magnitude of uh, Portia's work. And I found this great video interview of her online. And if you look at it, you can also see her house and her work and her whole vibe. And her work is really broad. We're talking, she does a lot of work with nature and flowers and birds. And we're only talking about one aspect of her work. So if you go to Gorky's granddaughter and you see the interview, which I will post on my Facebook page by Zachary Keating. uh, And uh, you can... Like, do that, because you really, like, you'll like her work, and I think you should see more about it. Also, why we're at it, uh, if you want to get in touch with Portia or know more about her, you go to Instagram, okay? That's P-O-R-T-I-A, Munson, M-U-N-S-O-N, or 
PortiaMunson.com. Okay, I got that done. I got that out of the way. <laughs> so anyway, um, you wanted I I I you had said before that you were you. So here I am. Here you are. I'm picturing you like in the Lower East Side in the heyday of Cooper Union with all the artists. Was that like unbelievable? Yeah, it was a really exciting time to be there. I Who loved it. Who were you it. friends with? You must have been friends with other well-known artists. Were you? Well, I, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I knew a lot of really well-known artists. So who so. would we know? Who would we know? <laughs> um, well, I remember going to um, Keith Herring's loft. He would have um, sort of regular events there. And so I remember going there a couple of times, like seeing you know, performance and bands. Um, one time when I went there, Suicide, who at the time was one of my favorite bands, was playing. Um, and then uh, I remember Jean-Michel coming. He was... Basquiat, that is, folks. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, dating one of my friends. Basquiat? Your friend dated Basquiat? Yeah. Wow. Well, he went out with lots of people. <laughs> you mean he was a slut? I, I wouldn't know if I would say it like that, but yeah. he, he just, Well, he that's just, just me. He know. was, he was, you know. He, he was, liked the ladies. Yeah, he did. And he was in a charismatic guy he was a charismatic really gorgeous amazing right man and have a problem with chicks right why not right 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 right. he wasn't scamming anybody right okay so so i sort of knew him he came to a party at my house at my apartment on the lower east side and there were you know there were just it was just a happening time Mm -hmm. I, i mean i remember seeing sean penn and madonna like in the neighborhood like you know going to out clubbing and Mm-hmm. You know, and how so did you meet your husband? We met um, at Rutgers University, uh, Mason Gross, which is where I went to graduate school. Mm-hmm. So that was like in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so he's an artist as well. He is. And yeah. what, what kind of work? He does a whole range of work right now. He's just kind of blissing out up in the Catskills in his large... Um, Double double spiral, um, double blueberry spiral. So it's a botanical art, like a botanical earthwork that's covered in white netting, and it's just incredibly gorgeous, beautiful thing. So and you both have like studios, and yes, it sounds like it sounds ideal. So see, yes. see, but yes. here's the thing. So here you were like totally living living the life in the Lower East Side. So how did you get married and have two kids and move to the Catskills? Um, what happened? I don't know. What happened? Things what just, were you thinking? Yeah, things just kind of happened. I think it was kind of a profound experience going to Skowhegan, which I went to between undergraduate and graduate school, and that's an incredible um place for artists up in Maine. It's kind of like art camp for young artists. Mm-hmm. And um, that so was... So you were out in the country? Out in the country so with lots of other artists. Because you, you grew up in a suburb, I'm guessing? Yeah. So I'm was like, that when you first started like really being like working out in nature is great? Yeah, I think I just realized that I just really loved the environment. The, you know, the effect of nature on me seemed really important. But you also said that you really always knew you wanted to be a mom. Right. So can you tell me about like that sounds that's another thing. And I think I told you this. That sounds horrible to me. Yeah. Me personally. So where did your desire like how did you know you want to be a mom? What was that about? I think that was really similar to being for me to knowing I was going to be an artist. It just always seemed like something that was part of who I was and what I was going to do. And so in, you know, once 
I was in my early 30s, it just like it became just almost imperative, you mm-hmm. know, and my husband was much more ambivalent about having children, I think. And I mm-hmm. philosophically completely agreed with him that there are enough children in the world and that it made sense to not make sense to not have children. Mm-hmm. But I just I couldn't help myself. And I basically kind of did you talk him into it? Well, I kind of cried for like two years <laughs> until it, you know, finally he was like he felt like he couldn't be responsible for my like misery. And was that before or after you got married? After, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, so what about your relationships with men? Because uh, I kind of, I, I, I'm i going to say, you know what? I'm envious of you getting settled down so young. I mean, just this is, I'm just projecting. I'm transference, mm-hmm. counter transference. Mm-hmm. So um, did you um, get along with men? Did you have like easy time having boyfriends or what was that like? What was your dating life? Yeah, I think I always, you always had, had a, a, boy, I always had a boyfriend. boyfriend. That wasn't a non-issue for me. Yeah, I didn't. I for didn't, you? Yeah. <laughs> See, oh, oh, that's a, oh, God. I'm identifying with you some way. Yeah, but, and, I, and actually being, getting married and having kids in my early 30s, it didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was doing that young. Like, I felt like I'd had a really full... Mm-hmm. A whole lot of experience in mm-hmm. my 20s and my life felt really full. Mm-hmm. And it sort of just felt, it felt kind of mm-hmm. like a natural flow. So you don't seem like you try to do, like you, it doesn't seem in your nature that you would be somebody who would be like trying to appeal to men and stuff like that. Were you always like just solid about being who you are? And, or did you, because I'm thinking about it from the feminist point of view and like so being that I'm only a little older than you like for me I was still really worried about guys liking me and I think that got in the way of me having uh, my insecurities clearly got in the way for me getting in the way of having solid relationships did you it's I'm wondering if you had like a good upbringing where you did you have a good relationship with your parents was your father available emotionally and stuff like that yeah i think i had a pretty good relationship with my parents i mean like i said um they were kind of religious um and so you know once going off to art school and moving to the lower east side you know there there definitely was a real sort of split in terms of my relationship with them and understanding about things but um because i was an artist and just seeing the world in a different way I mean, I think that I, I think I always was really, I was concerned about what I looked like and my style and like that, you know, that's sort of normal when you're a young woman and, you know, still now, but, um, but I, I think I always was really focused on my work in some, you know, Uh in some way or another. So that was that I always had that, like, I feel like that was the kind of thing that kept me from ever, you know, getting too involved with drugs or other you know or, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. hanging out a lot at bars or because I because you were homework because I had work to do so mm-hmm. I just couldn't did you make a lot do. of art at home on your own then I did I did but in my in my in my 20s I loved going out dancing like that was one of my favorite things uh, like, music and dancing yeah, so you know that was the fun thing to do so um what was I going to say so um when you you clearly split off from your parents in a, in a certain way. Yeah. Were you like a good student? 
medium. Did they, like, how did they feel when, you know, you ran off, ran off when you were leaving? You know, you lived a, you, you weren't in line with them. How were they? Well, they thought, they thought I should go to like a fundamentalist Christian college. That was their idea for me. And, um, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I uh, was just really clear that I wanted to go to an art school and my father and my high school counselor just sort of, they didn't believe that I'd get in to those schools for some reason. I don't know why, but I did. I thought I would. And I got in everywhere I applied, including Cooper. So then once, and it was so exciting on my 18th birthday, I got my acceptance oh, to Cooper. And I was like, oh, wow. You I must was have like, been, was that like one of the happiest days? It was so great. It was kind of, really it kind of felt like, yes, this is who I am. Shining this with is happiness. <laughs> Shining with happiness at the memory. I'm well, it, you. well, it was just kind of very affirmative. Like, yes, yeah. I really am an artist. This is what right. I'm going to do. So it's very. Exciting. So, how did your parents uh, respond to that? Like, did you have to go through a rebellion to get away from them, or were they like, okay, this is who you are, and that's great. We're just going to support you, or were they like, we don't understand what you're doing. This is. So were they angry? Were they so? No, they yeah. were. They were very supportive. And one of the nicest things that my father ever said to me was, we don't understand you, but we're very proud of you. See, there so. you go. <laughs> there you go. That's what exactly what I was looking for. So all you parents out there, that's that. That's the message. And then your kids will be successful, just like Portia. Not a, not a, not a, not somebody who's still trying to find themselves <laughs> like me. That's okay, though. I'm fine with it. I own this. Um, so let me just remind you, because it's one of the things I do have to do here. Even though I can say the word fuck as many times as I want, I still have to let you know that you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And uh, it's Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm here with um, this fabulous artist, Portia Munson. If you're in the art world, you know who I mean. If not, you can go to my Facebook page and find out all that you want and need to know. And Portia did um, some very seminal work about feminism that affected me personally in the 90s. And we're talking about, uh, I'm trying to find out what, she, what her views are in feminists. So we're, get, we're, getting, we're getting there. We're getting there, folks. You know, my husband told me last week, he gave me a note that I have to sum up the first part in case people come in. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, so it sounds like your artwork really grounded you. Yes. And your obsessiveness about it, yes. maybe. And the fact, and how did the fact that you couldn't read play into that? Did it, it make you more focused on your work? Yes. That was really what your yeah. thing was. So you really like, yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really. Well, we all, it was a way for me to express my intelligence and for me to express how I was seeing the world and thinking about things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think our culture is very, it's kind of lopsided towards a certain praising and, um, you know, get respecting a certain kind of mind. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I feel like I've, I've kind of always been like, I don't know if struggle's the right word, but sort of trying to like express myself through, through visual, your work. visually through yeah. my work. Yeah. So you see the Pink Project as a feminist piece. Yes. Right. So you feminism is obviously. So what was it like for you when you were like in Cooper Union or the you know your younger your young lady days? What was it like? What's your view of being treated as a woman in those days? Um. 
Like, did you feel like you were treated? Would you feel like you weren't given? Like, were you respected? Were you respected? Did it get in your way? I I feel like I always turned it into something positive or helpful for me. So even making the pink work, because I started collecting pink. I was always collecting pink stuff, but really thinking about it as artwork when I was in Cooper Union. And I think that that was being a little bit rebellious, um, collecting that pink stuff. And because the, the instructors who I have were much more, I was studying with people like Vito Akanchi or Hans Hacke, Barbara Kruger, Martha Rosserick, different artists like that. And their work was much more kind of um, directly political and kind of colder. I mean, I think they were, uh, amaz- I think they were really, really serious. Your work has humor. Yeah. But or- I think, yeah, but I think they're really, all of them are really amazing, incredible yeah. artists. Um, and so I, but I think that nobody was working with, you know, like pink plastic stuff in right. the, in the way that I was. And so that was like a way to be kind of rebellious and also take this like girly thing and, you know, be sort of aggressive or like, you know, make, right. make something out of it. And how do people respond to that kind of work? Uh, when I first showed it in a big way, it was actually at Rutgers when I was in graduate school and I got a positive response, but I was actually told that I shouldn't show it and that I should be showing my paintings. And <laughs> and all and all someone has to do is tell me, don't do that. <laughs> and, uh, then I, so, and then I do it. <laughs> so did you, so you were just like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to show this work. Or did you, did you question yourself or like, did you realize, did you feel, rep- that sounds so oppressive. I think that, that someone, and it was the, the main person who did that was actually a, a, a woman teacher who yeah. I, who I admire. It was kind sure. of like, um, but I think that it was like, well, you can't really show paintings and this and your paintings are really good. So you should show your paintings. Uh-huh. And I just sort of was like, no, I'm going to, I want to show, I'm going to show both of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that, I, I don't know, it kind of just forced me to, maybe believe more in myself and my own vision mm-hmm. at the time. So that was a marketing strategy, sounds like, for, perhaps, which mm-hmm. which is, you know, mm-hmm. not a bad thing for teachers to do. So, but um, were you a girly girl? I mean, like, how did, did you wear makeup? Did, were you, a, like, what I'm trying to, this is what I'm trying to oh, figure yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. How girly were you? Yeah, like, I- how much were, like, what, like, in other words, like, did you present in a way that you might have been, uh, uh, the target of somebody disrespecting you because you're a woman. That's what I'm trying to imagine. Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, I definitely... Mini skirts? Got, yeah, I like to dress up and I like to wear makeup and I was definitely a girly girl and got cat calls on the street mm-hmm. and, you know, in those days and was... Um, but I... I didn't, I never had any horrible experiences personally, mm-hmm. thankfully. Mm-hmm. So, so all of that stuff, you know, just, I don't know. I just, I, I think I always just felt kind of um, like sort of powerful and kind of good about who I was and liked dressing up. And, mm-hmm. but I also must say that I think I have maybe a slight like um, little thing in my brain where I was just telling my brother this the other day because I, really have a hard time remembering um negative things oh wow <laughs> along with which way letters go so, i love that so, so 
it's like hard for me to say. Exactly. So you're pretty optimistic. I'm pretty optimistic. Oh, that's great. <laughs> fabulous i want your wiring <laughs> well i just feel like this is it like you know this is where we mm-hmm. are i mean i think i think the world is really fucked up i guess i can say yeah. that right just because of the sure <laughs> just um you know thinking about the i mean i feel like my work now is very environmental i think of myself yes, as an environmental I feminist do too. i do too. and so i feel like there's so much going on with the environment that's really mm-hmm. really terrible right but i also feel like we have to do whatever we can to create our own worlds and make our worlds as like amazing as possible do you think that your parents having any um like having religious background kind of might have given you more of a perspective on like spiritual meaning like the value of life and how short life is or can anything like that or being positive like optimistic um, do you think that might have affected you i don't know i feel like that that more the thing that i feel like i really learned from that is that there are so many different ways of seeing things and of seeing the world and that um it i don't know how to articulate this mm-hmm. correctly but I feel like all of these organized religions that are, um, you know, believe in one God who's male, I think that those are very oppressive and that they're all very similar to each other, Mm. meaning Christianity, Mm -hmm. Islam and Judaism. Mm -hmm. To me, they seem like very just different branches of the same kind of thing that's like this um, human male top down kind of dominating thing Mm -hmm. and there was something about i don't know i just growing up in that world that made me really like see this is like one specific view on the world and it was actually very upsetting to me to like witness all these missionaries because i would see that growing up who would go out and trying to like change these indigenous peoples and bring Mm -hmm. the word of god to them and that seemed from a young age, I remember just being appalled, like, oh, my God, they're so gorgeous. Like, why are we giving them our clothes and our ideas? Right, so, right. Did you ever talk to your parents about that or you, um, you didn't agree with them? I right? didn't agree with them. And I knew that from the time I was in my teens, like that was really clear to me. But you accepted them, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. You know, no, yeah. that's probably smart. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's good. And yeah. they accepted you. I mean, that's a testament to religious pe- religion. For me. Um, so I'm getting this picture that, um, you know, and we're talking about young women because young being a young woman is usually when you start, not- you know, defining some of your sexuality or your feminism, whatever crap you want to call it. So it sounds like that you were pretty solid uh, always just innately in who you are because of your relationship with your work and you weren't too intimidated by guys or worrying about pleasing guys even though you were you know i'm you know fabulous babe yeah i mean (laughs) does that make sense what's the impression yeah i mean i also i i mean i i feel like maybe one flaw that i had was that i was you know like never went without being in a relationship you know i was never okay with just being alone Mm -hmm. which i do admire in other friends Mm -hmm. who spent long periods of time without being Mm -hmm. in a tight relationship Mm -hmm. so i think i i think i always found a certain sort of like um comfort or like that was my good place to know that there was a solid other person you're you're good you're good at that you're good at the whole relationship thing 
Uh, what was I going to say? Wait, there was another thought I had, and I, I just lost it. And now I'm on the radio, so getting it back is really, <laughs> really, really, really awkward. Um, so uh, about um, that you liked being in relationships. And I think that... Um, so your job, that's what I was going to say. Like, did you ever have a... Did you, Have you always... You know, ha- did you ever have a regular job? Did you ever experience any kind of, you know... Oh, yeah. So being at work like that. Yeah. So what I would say about having a job and my advice kind of to people is if you really want to be a, an artist and do well at it, don't get too good at anything else, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, you have to. You but don't did you ever go like in an office or someplace where you had to like stand up for yourself as a woman? Like as an artist, you can say, well, I'm not going to take any shit off of men and you can kind of get away with it. But in, in a workplace I think it could be different to do, um, especially in our day. Not really, although I definitely observed that working in my father's business, um, which your was father do? he had a medical laboratory laboratory wow. on Long Island. He was some medical scientist or researcher. He, yeah, and he had a, oh, a the wow. kind of a laboratory where people would go, where you go to have your blood drawn, oh. and, you know, where they do urine oh. tests and like that kind oh, of a laboratory. Wow. And so his partner, who was a kind of a sleazy guy like that, he wasn't ever directly bad to me. But I remember observing that and being really aware of that at a young age. Like, oh, those are the kind mm. of people and the kinds of jobs you want to like, stay away from. What was the from. first job you had out of college? Did you ever have a, I mean, um, you must have had a job? Yeah, then? I didn't. I always had sort of like. I just always had found jobs and I like, and like I did clerk or waitress or waitress. Space. I was a terrible waitress. I yeah, I definitely did that. I worked at um in the bookstore at MoMA. Oh, okay. I also was a cab driver for a while. Wow, and I was a really? Wow. <laughs> like I did lots of Well that's fucking feminist right there. So you yeah. were able to handle your if you were a cab that's a clear picture. Yeah. You were a cab driver. Yeah. That I, says it that says it all, folks. Yeah. So, and there were guys actually who were trying to pick me up who I would be giving a ride to. Like I remember that, like even businessmen and stuff. And it You, you weren't know. afraid? What about um, that? Oh, at the same time that I was a cab driver, when I first started driving a cab, I also took a self defense class and um learned you know different things like that and i don't know i just i wasn't so, so afraid you had, you had wow you and jerry salts have that in common right wasn't oh you cab i don't driver? know i, I didn't really so. know that maybe <laughs> um anyway uh the thing is is that so you sound like you were so um you weren't vulnerable i mean i'm impressed it sounds like you weren't vulnerable to some of the traps that i'm gonna say that i i mean i were two different people and you know, whatever. But I mean, I think a lot, I felt really vulnerable as a female, um, like in certain, you know, at work and other, and in general, well, whatever. But I'm just saying, like, you sound like you were more grounded about being female than a lot of your peers. Well, I also did this thing where I was house painting. So I worked for somebody um, who was an interior decorator and she worked with, um, Broadway video and so I started doing things like you know painting their offices and doing stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then I branched out and had my own house painting or you know painting business so I did that a lot um, all through my 20s after school so you've never really followed a typical female path from beginning but it doesn't sound like you purpose you kind of naturally fell into that you weren't like trying to do that 
Yeah. Well, I was trying to be an artist always. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But I mean, so. yeah. So it's interesting that you're, you know, that you weren't on that. It's an interesting place where it doesn't sound like you were directly uh, experiencing like typical repression, like, you know, in an office or something. But well, then again, you weren't actually speaking out against it. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't have tried to get an office job because I'm terrible at like reading and writing. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so, so I was trying to find So did you so what was your feeling? Did you what's your what was your feeling about men in those days as far as feminine did you feel like women were repressed or what did you feel like you were? Did you feel like other women were but you weren't or how did you feel? Um yeah, it's, I mean... Or did you just not think about it no, because I did, you were doing your own I, well, thing? Well, I did kind of think about it. I had a really close friend who ended up going into prostitution and in this sort of horrible way. Um, and so I thought about it in relation to her and what happened to her. Um, and I just knew I wanted to really steer clear of that mm. kind of, that whole sort of world. Mm-hmm. And I definitely was always aware of, you know, that there were men who definitely uh, tried to take, take advantage take, of women. Yeah. Who tried to take advantage of women and sort of got, so, so I, I was really aware of that, but I guess I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I was interesting. Always, so yeah. the woman that was that in high school or college, the college, pros, the prostitute. Yeah. I bet, I bet that must've had some real effect on you. I imagine. It yeah. It was very, it, c- it was very, very tragic. It was very tragic. And, mm-hmm. uh, did she have a drug or alcohol problem as well? Or? Um, I think part of when she first got in, she didn't when she got, when she first started, uh, but then she, um, sure. the guy who got her into it, his nickname was Kane, <laughs> as in cocaine. So, uh, right. <laughs> so, okay. so, it, so, yeah. okay. And, um, having children. So what was like the roles as, um, a mom, mom and dad? So you're still, it sounds very happily married as far as I'm, it's mm-hmm. the impression I'm getting. Full, full stop and uh, full on. And um, so what were the roles like being parents? <clears throat> did you did, were you stuck with all the work or? Well, I did have a hard time becoming a parent, being a mother, because I, I dealt with some postpartum dis, uh, depression oh. after both of my after each one was mm-hmm. born. So that was really hard and kind of mm. tricky. And I think that a lot of the responsibility of being a mother, I really felt that, especially when the children were really young, you know, and was like, what did I get myself into? I mean, I love them, but it was like, you know, it was a lot of work. But my husband, who had been less reluctant about being a parent, was almost the more responsible, kind of amazing parent in terms of like always being there. He was always the one when they were growing up who would get up early and make them their breakfast and lunches and, you know, make sure they got on the bus or got to school. Like he was very, it was like a very good kind of um, partnership in that way. And then I would be more like a more of a night person. I'd be up later and do the, you know, dinner and like that part of, part of work at night, work all night in the studio. Right, right, right. right. So, so it sounds like uh, he's the kind of guy who was, um, attracted to uh, a strong woman and and envisioned and you know it wasn't an issue. He envisioned he was a he's a pretty equal player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like really equal. I mean, you know, everything just like for every you know our our life hasn't always been like this perfect it's not fairy perfect. tale dream, but and it, it, it hasn't been like that. But it's 
it's worked out. I think that we have a mutual respect and, um, Mm -hmm. and we've worked things out. I think having children is very, very trying on a relationship, but we worked, we got through it. We worked, we worked Mm -hmm. it out and we both, we both came from really different, um, backgrounds, um, I mean, similar but different backgrounds, but it's like we found when we came together, it was like we realized we shared a lot of commonality in terms of our ideas about the world. And, right, you know, so that right. really that really sustains you. It's like philosophically being very in sync. Right. It doesn't sound like you had to um, struggle through a lot of issues. Right. Like it sounded like things were you were it sounds like you guys were on the same page to begin with equality you know, yeah, you roll, roll wise. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, shout out to your husband <laughs> and, and especially, yeah, you should, there's a guy who should be like, I hope he's, well, you have two boys. So yeah. he's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. He's really, he's a really great example. Mm-hmm. You have one boy? Did I have I a son. You have a son I, and a daughter yeah, and I, was, I made up another son. No, I was assuming you meant my husband and my son, like two uh, guys no, in the family. No. <laughs> so um, what is, and your, so your son is 24? Yeah, he's what 24. He, what does he do? He went to Hampshire College and majored in, he graduated a couple of years ago and he did uh, architecture, environmental design and He's kind of just interested in being outside and figuring out gardens and growing things. Mm-hmm. And so he's um, he's working for some friends of ours now doing all different times of kinds of work, construction and also gardening and different things. He, I don't know if he knows exactly what he's doing, but he's right. going to do something. Is that a direction? Yeah, something having mm-hmm. to do with... And is your daughter's 19 is she in college? Yeah, she's a dancer. She goes to Cal Arts. Oh, wow. And, oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. That's neat. Does yeah. she have visual art interest as well? Yeah, I would say both of my kids are definitely artists because it was kind of like the therapy for them. Anything goes wrong, I was always like, here's a piece of paper and a pencil. Like, yeah. draw. Like, right. You know, right. that's how you work anything out. <laughs> and that's that's sort of the way that I figure, you know. So I was saying, like, how I think things have, uh, you know, slipped back a lot because, like, in, in our day or my day anyway, um, you know, you weren't a lot, you didn't, you, there was no pressure to wear makeup and bras and all that stuff. And now it seems like... Um, women have gone the other way and there's a lot more um like i feel like women are sort of um there's a certain kind of hypocrisy in my mind because women you know we we want me to all this feminism but then there's so much uh work that women are that we put on ourselves to be appealing to men mm-hmm. with you know makeup and you know fake tits and all that crap mm-hmm. so i see a certain amount of hypocrisy do you, do you see some of that or that we slid back? Do you see some of that? Um, I don't know if I exactly see it the same way. I kind of feel like maybe there's a certain amount of women wanting to just be pretty and do that kind of stuff for themselves. Or even, you know, I mean, you see that even in like women to women who are in women, women relationships, you know, getting dressed up and wearing makeup and doing that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah. But I also see like a lot of, you know, like there's just seems like a lot of women, a lot of stuff that you just see women trying to like even the bachelor, those TV shows and the housewives, those TV shows all seem like a throwback 
They do. It's true. They do. And they seem very, there's something so artificial, Mm -hmm. you know, which is kind of sad. So maybe you just are wonderfully optimistic and you can tune that shit out. I focus on it. That's probably what it is. But I wanted to hear about your thoughts about all that stuff because you have a 19 year old and you brought her up. So what, what is, what is feminism and all that stuff look like now? What do you think? What's your take on it from your perspective as a mother of a 19 year old? Um, well, it feels like I think that there still is definitely a struggle for women. And I, I hope that with the Me Too thing, that it's going to make things easier for women and make it easier for women to say when things are not OK, to make it easier to just sort of, you know, express mm-hmm. yourself or hold people accountable. Um I I don't I hope that with my daughter that she I think that she's able to be sort of have her own style and just be very independent in like ideas around um femininity. She's very feminine and very she's actually a very pretty girl. I have no doubt. Um, um and <laughs> oh, I saw a picture of her. Yeah. Pink hair, right? Yeah, but actually now she gorgeous. has a she has a shaved head. Oh. Which is but she, but she's gorgeous. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. And um yeah, I I don't know. I I I somehow feel very optimistic in terms of like the power of 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 women like that women are just, you know, quite powerful i think that's what i see mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. you know and see in her friends too from mm-hmm. going and seeing you know i'm looking at her as a dancer and going and see lots of dances where that she's in a dance with lots of other people and i just love the idea that so much of the dance that i see is so you know mixed in terms of men and women and races and mm-hmm. sizes and like all these different things and it just feels um yeah, I guess I'm just like chronically optimistic about this. Well, that is, you know, that's really interesting because that's such a great place for um, um, inclusion is in dance. Like I never thought about that before because we always talk about like brown bodies, white bodies, black bodies. And when you put all those bodies together, mm-hmm. then you really, that is like a really great way of saying it doesn't matter we're we're looking at you as dancers, not as specific humans. Mm-hmm. We're looking at you as a group. It must be so. I can see how that would actually make you feel optimistic, mm-hmm. and seeing the individual strength of everybody, like seeing everybody's different, mm-hmm. you know, abilities and strengths, and mm-hmm. you know. So, does she have boyfriends, or had a boyfriend, or what's that about? I mean, how's that gone? How is that? Yeah, I. Um, it's sometimes challenging a little bit as a parent how to help navigate that, and my advice to her is always she's been in a couple of sort of longer term monogamous relationships sort of similar to what I which sort of similar to what I did and I I actually have been telling her that when you're um uh when you're young it can be nice to not be so tied down like it can be nice to you know I mean it's nice to have a regular partner but it can also be really good to just just give yourself to lots of different friends you know whoever because it sounds like um that you've always been in a relationship and you can see both sides and you don't want her to miss miss out you're projecting exactly right you are projecting right right right, that's fair that's fair (laughs) 
But do you think that um, she's good at, I would imagine, do you see like her enforcing boundaries with guys? And do you like the yes. guys and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you f- do you feel positive? Do you think, so I'm, I'm proposing that women are, there's a lot of women that, you know, are, have gone backwards, but maybe from your point of view and knowing her and her friends, you don't see that. Um, I totally know what you mean, but yeah. I, but I am definitely trying. I think I'm, I think I'm always trying to imagine like this positive future and like think that things are really getting better. And so, and I'm kind of seeing that too, mm-hmm. maybe because we don't know the future. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to imagine it in this really like good, going in a really good direction. But I think also, um, her being a dancer, uh, is just like the best way to be comfortable in one's body and feel good about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Unless you're a ballet dancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is probably the opposite. Yeah. Do you think so? Do you think that's partly, do you think that's been helpful to her? Yeah, I think so. I think that's been really nice. Actually, for both of my kids, that idea of, because my son's also very athletic oh. um, and more into like snowboarding, but he's a very athletic person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, really nice to just have that mm-hmm. real body awareness and were you yeah. athletic um my family was so i was sort of because i was part of my family uh-huh. so <laughs> yeah, like, so yeah i think also i mean i've said this before i think that um people especially for women that are um interested that do are physically active i think you are it does help you a lot emotionally yes especially growing up developing physically and a physical confidence and using your body is really helpful so you and for me now it's gardening like Mm -hmm. being in the garden all the time and outside Mm -hmm. like as much as i can this time of year is very Mm -hmm. helpful for your mind did you do family sports? Is your husband athletic or interested in sports? Um, a little bit, but... Hiking, camping? Yeah, a little. You, you guys a little, go hiking? A little. Can you believe we only have like two minutes I know, left? it's crazy. How fast is this? <laughs> I know, I want to remind, make sure I get in all my reminders. Because I, so see, this is, Porsche is amazing. So you should really, um, and the show is amazing. I want to make sure, I really sincerely hope that everybody gets out to see the show at the flag Art Foundation at um, two, 545 West 25th Street. Um, and it's up through August 17th. So please, please, please go to that. It's really great. And I also want to make sure that you um, check out uh, Portia's work at, at PortiaMunson.com or at, I mean, at Portia Munson on Instagram because she's on Instagram a lot or at Portia munson.com and uh check out the interview that zachary keating did go to um see my show at vsop gallery in 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 greenport it's really really good can i just say one more quick thing i also want to just say that i'm represented by ppow gallery yes and so they you could also check it out on their website thank you thank you so stay tuned and listen to uh lost and rewound on radio free brooklyn you're listening to radio free brooklyn.com and uh the next show is great with elon danziger so don't like don't don't hang up. Just hang out, okay? And you can always reach me at Dr. Lisa Levy SP.
SP for self-proclaimed. That's Dr. Lisa Levy, SP. Have a great...